Greetings and welcome to another episode of Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. I I can't begin to express how like really, really excited I am about today's guest. And I don't know if excited is a word. I don't know if it's elated. I don't know if it's honored. I don't know if it's completely blown away. This is really, really cool. Not only do we have a really, really great movie that we're going to be talking about, but the guest that I have in store is fantastic. Uh, you may recognize her from any number of her, her television appearances, whether you recognize her from uh, as Molly on Dr. Ken or recently as Jen on Last Man Standing. This guest really doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to give one anyway. Please welcome to the show, Krista Marie Yu. Krista, hey, how's it going? Hello, thank you so much. Thank you for that awesome introduction. <laughs> well, I as well am elated and honored and excited um, to one see you after graduating. It's been it's been a second. I think it's been about nine years, which have flown by. Mm -hmm. Because seeing you like doesn't even, it's not like time has passed. Yeah. I mean, how are you? How have you been? Obviously, 2020 has been a crazy year. I am okay. I am sad. Um, I am lucky. I am really reflective. I'm a lot of emotions during this time. But at the end of the day, I think one of the most really uplifting parts of it all is seeing how communities have come together, seeing how friends are capable of connecting like you and me right now over Zoom, um, and watching the arts as well, just doing what they do best and figuring out how to be creative. Everything's shut down, you know, Broadway was shut down, which is devastating. Film and television was out for a very long time. It's only slowly starting to catch have that sort of now but to see people so quickly and so creatively and so um driven to do things virtually in a new setting and also with everything that's going on with the pain whether it has to do with um covid whether it has to do with racism whether it has to do with just depression in general everybody has used their art to really speak to those people who are, including me, who are feeling um, loss and grieving and um, anxiety and all of those things. And it's so incredible to see like my classmates or even artists I don't know um, use their gifts for good. Yeah, no, I, I think that I think that's beautiful. And you're right, right on the money. You're doing it too with your podcast. <laughs> well, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. Uh... It's all about trying to find, as you're discussing with art, just a, a form of kind of like a coping mechanism, you know, just trying to, how am I going to stay sane in a really, really not sane world? And it hasn't been sane in a long time, but this year has really brought to the front everything. I mean, it, whether whether it's a pandemic or as you were just saying far more eloquently than me, but talking about the pain and uh, the racism and everything and just seeing a, a very, very divided country that we're in, finding another way to express yourself through art, I think is fantastic. And um, yeah, I mean, 
my art might be a little bit different, but yeah, this, I think this is a, this is a form of art that is very much a work in progress, but I'm enjoying it, but enough about me because I want, I want to talk about you because this is really exciting. You have since, since graduation, you have been, you've been busy at work for a long time and you've constantly stayed active and that's really, really great. But before I talk a little bit about that, I want to know a little bit more about your your origin. Like, when did you decide or like how old or how young were you when you said, I think acting, I think acting is my path. This is something that I'm passionate about doing. I did want to say, however, <laughs> not to just like completely disregard the question, but your your work brings us together. Everybody loves movies and it... Uh, it, it <laughs> It just um, brings unity no matter what politics you have. And I think that's pretty, pretty special. Anyway, I really did want to honor that because that's something you should be proud of. Well, thank you. Thank you. So I um, have been really lucky to have parents who were very supportive. I started as an ice skater, um, but also I grew up watching old musicals. Um, so like Rosalind Russell and Natalie Wood and Gypsy was one of my hands down favorites. I also was obsessed with Kathy Rigby as Peter Pan. And I was obsessed with um, Cinderella. And I loved to perform. And so one day, except I was very shy. And I, um, I guess I came across this group called Showbiz. I, I have no recollection of this. And they were a Mormon singing and dancing group. I myself am not Mormon. However, they saw me watching and they asked me if I wanted to join. And so for 10 years of my life, I was part of a singing and dancing Mormon children's group, which actually taught me a lot of confidence, taught me how everybody has a gift within themselves that they can use to reach other people. I, I don't necessarily think performing or acting itself is really about just me. Um, there's always a reason. And there al there's always somebody you're touching. There's always a voice that you're giving to someone who might not have it. And it, it was a really special time. I, I did it really recreationally. Um, ice skating was much more on the forefront. And then uh, when it was time to apply to colleges, I was the very first, um, I'm the oldest of my family. And my mom um, had only applied to one college and she had got in. So she didn't know the whole like fist guide thing. She didn't know I had all these options and she was super supportive. Um, and she opened up the fist guide and we knew that I loved to perform um, because I love musicals and we checked off all of the schools that said musical theater, but not schools that I couldn't also get an education. So that's why I didn't apply to Juilliard. I didn't apply to CCM. Um, no conservatory, not realizing that Carnegie Mellon was a conservatory. And so uh, they were like, you have to audition. I was like, okay, I guess I'll audition. And then I got to school and realized that I had no time to do anything else. And it was kind of an accident that I fell into a conservatory style program. Um, and it challenged me to the moment. Like, yeah. There's so many things that I've learned. I went to a private college prep school where I always thought there was one answer for everything. Grew up an athlete. You work, work, work until you have a precise 
um, results. And I thought if someone just told me what to do, then I could do it, um, mm -hmm. which is what acting had been. Like I, in high school, I played Sally Bowles. <laughs> you know, I just, I did what I was told to do. And um, that changed at CMU. I didn't realize I had to make my own choices. Um, I didn't realize that that's what art was. And it was a huge experience. I learned a lot about myself and everything just kind of fell into place. I didn't go to New York because I wanted to be near family. And... Um, one thing led to another and I just got really, really lucky. And I'm so grateful for the people who have supported me, including you, taught me lessons. I learned so much, even just like on set. I remember I didn't even know what a mark was on one of my first. I <laughs> <laughs> was on Cougar where I played Wait. the role of girl. You said uh, uh, Cougar Town? Is that what you said? Cougar Town with Courtney Cox. And she actually- Wow. Yeah, she she um, directed the one that I was in. And my big line was, let's go. <laughs> you nailed it right then. I mean, you know, like still could do uh, the role of girl very, very well. So it's pretty crazy because I'm pretty sure that's the oldest I've ever played. Um, and that was nine years ago. Um, and they actually brought me back. So girl was a recurring character. <laughs> really? I, see, I've never seen Cougar Town. I, I feel bad because I, I, I'm such a nerd and I've just been really excited and followed your career. So, you know, I've watched Molly and I've watched Jen and, you know, like Thank just you. follow these characters. So now I have to go back and, and, and watch girl. <laughs> I think I have the clip if you really want me to send it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the total, I think, of three lines. Hey, whatever. <laughs> um, but I had such a great time. And the reason why I didn't know where my mark was <laughs> was because Dan Beard, who plays, I think that's how you say his last name, he plays the boy in it. He was on a boat and I was supposed to walk up and I'm looking up at him which means I can't look down and see my mark. Mm. And in theater, like what we learn at school, like everything is so creative. You just, mm -hmm. it's not as technical when it comes to that. Of course you find your light. And, but if you miss your mark by like a foot, it's not gonna be a big deal. But with the camera sitting there waiting for you, and then I walk to the right, um, they probably got a great shot of my elbow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the second AD came up to me. I was like, you know, you should make sure that you're, um, this is your mark and you walk up to your mark. And that's when I learned what a mark was. <laughs> that, that, that's awesome. Um, now you were talking to be closer to your family. And am I correct? Because I don't know if I, if this is just something that I dreamt or I thought I had memory of, but a conversation that we had in the past that, you're from, is it like you're like from the, like the Bay area originally? Is that correct? Yeah. The East Bay. I went to school in Oakland um, and grew up in Lafayette and my parents both worked in San Francisco, which is where I took acting class at Sideways Studios. <laughs> at, at where now? 
Sideways Studios. Sideways Studio. Yeah, yeah. like I, I'm so like so jealous. I've always loved, and it's really no secret anybody that knows me. Like I ended up eventually proposing to my now wife in San Francisco. I woke her up one morning and said, "Grab your shit. We're hopping on a plane." Mm-hmm. She had no idea what was going, and I, I flew us to San Francisco. And we did like a whole like day tour, and then at the end of the evening, I. I had popped the question and everything, but San Francisco and just the whole Bay area is just a place that I've long loved. And honestly, a lot of it has to do with Alfred Hitchcock because he used to film a ton of movies in there. And I was a big Alfred Hitchcock fan as a child, still am as, uh, as an, as an old guy, but it, it's just been one of those, one of those cities that I think is amazing. And, like, I, I think I've always, anybody that I've ever met that is either from there or had been there, I, I like have that locked in my brain that I'll never figure like, oh, Krista, she's from the Bay Area. Or one of my friends, Joe, he's from the Bay Area. I just, because it's a beautiful, beautiful place. So no point to that story, just clarifying. No, I, I love being associated with the beautiful place. Um, I always think I'm biased, but there is no place like the Bay Area in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I miss right. it a lot. Now, so you're you're back in LA, right? Yes, I just got back about three weeks ago and started working on Last Man Standing for our final and ninth season. That's exciting. You came aboard the the seventh year, right? When it got picked up by Fox. Is that correct? Do I have yes. my timing on that? Yeah. Okay. That is perfect timing. How how has that been? I mean, obviously you, you work with Tim Allen, but I I love Nancy Travis. I go back to another Bay Area uh, connection. She was in a movie called So I Married an Axe Murderer in the like mid nineties with Mike Myers. And if you haven't seen it, it's such a fun like zany rom com, and she kills it. She's just so good. I bet I have not seen that. However, I grew up obsessed with three men and a little lady oh yeah and she has a british accent in it and she the the woman who birthed the child and all four of them together with ted danson who Mm -hmm. also went to cranky melon and i always wanted to be that little girl i never realized it was her until after i got the the job Mm -hmm. Um, and to just see a woman like Nancy go from ingenue to leading lady so seamlessly in the way that she does is, um, really inspiring to me. She is somebody who clearly has worked her butt off to do what she does. Um, everybody obviously loves her because she keeps working. Um, and she just has this ability to sparkle, She's, I'm, I'm not even kidding. Like she'll smile and the room lights up and I am so honored to like learn from somebody who's such a veteran and who's so grounded in work. Work is first and then everything else. Her love for acting is so clearly first. Um, one of the things that I do admire about her is how much she advocates for her character as well, because she knows Vanessa nine years long and um it's really inspiring to me to see like her really like thoughtfully give give more to the character just just as just like suggesting and yeah I can't think Mm -hmm. of the word that I'm thinking of but she is an amazing woman she's she also did a virtual play that was set in a zoom setting at the skylight theater um which is in Los Feliz and I think they're going to have an encore performance. Um, but to watch her in that too, she is so grounded. She's so real. 
um, she gets every setting. So like you see her in these multi-camera shows, shows and um she just knows what she's doing and then she did the kraminski method mm-hmm. the past two years and she's fantastic in that too and so it's just like she gets it she knows how to be a versatile actor yeah i could go on and on you also obviously by working on last man standing you get to work with santa claus every day and that's kind of cool huge deal i grew up watching a lot of tim allen i was a little young for home improvement so i missed the home improvement um, times, but I grew up on Santa Claus. I still watch it almost twice a year. Um, <laughs> Julie, I always call her Julie, but her name's Judy. Judy is uh, Judy the elf who makes the best oh, hot chocolate. Yeah. She's Asian. So like mm. when I was little, seeing an Asian person on screen was a huge deal. Um, it still is to me. Like even when I see a commercial with an Asian person, I get very excited. Um, no matter like how small a part it's very exciting. I'm going to go on a tangent because like even on set, it doesn't matter if you're on screen or off screen, just seeing an Asian person within this industry is a huge deal. I work with um, an Asian makeup artist named Vicky Chan. She's incredible. And an Asian um, camera assistant, um, Missy uh, Oseas. And her daughter is at Carnegie Mellon right now. Hey, that's awesome. Hey, as a director. Mm-hmm. Um, Samantha and her favorite movie is also Spirited Away. Really? And that'll be a great transition. We can, <laughs> we can start talking about Spirited Away here in just, just a second, because I think that's just a natural, natural segue. But you just <laughs> mentioned something as far as when you see other, other Asian people working within, within the industry. And obviously it's a big deal. Now you've been, you've been doing this professionally for a decade or so now, has there been like in your time, have you seen an improvement? Uh, do you find yourself uh, getting more opportunities now? Or, I mean, how, ha, how has that affected your life? It, have you seen any change for the better in from when you started to where we are now in 2020? Sure. I tend to be more of an optimist than a pessimist. Um, the realist part of me though, does acknowledge that being an Asian American in this industry or just an Asian person in general is very difficult. I'm lucky that I've gotten the parts that I've gotten, some of them specifically being written for an Asian person like Molly and Jen. And however, I think Jen might have not necessarily been Asian at one point. She was a foreign exchange mm-hmm. student, but I, I, I'm not positive about that. And there have been roles that are not like specifically Asian written, which is fantastic um, because it doesn't necessarily define the character or ethnicity doesn't always define our character. It's something to be proud of, but you see a lot of um, actors who aren't Asian and they're not getting the role because they are a specific race. Mm. Like the most important part of their character is that they're a doctor or a lawyer, um, not just an Asian person. And um, so, yeah, the opportunities are a lot less and also Hollywood. And I, I would assume because of the way Hollywood portrays Asian Americans, there is a misconception about what an Asian person is. Um, Usually for women, it's like, quiet, submissive, or brainy nerd, or like tigress, 
mom. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, not tigress mom, dragon lady. Um, and then uh, for men, you know, they're, they're, they're seemingly not attractive, even though there's so many hot Asian dudes out there. Yeah. I mean, there, there are a couple there. I mean, oh, shoot, I forget. Darn it. I, I can't believe I, I have to hop on IMDb. Um, Henry Golding. Is that it? Uh, he was just in that rom-com. Uh, damn it. Henry Golding. Are you thinking of Chris Payne? No. Yeah, Henry Golding. Yeah. Henry Golding. Super exciting to, um, he's like a breakout star. I think Crazy Rich Asians was his first. And he is a very good looking guy. Um, also great at what he does. And then right. he went on from Crazy Rich Asians to do like a simple... Plan? Is that what it's called with um, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively? And then he worked with um, Amelia Clark in Last Christmas. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Um, it's always been on my list. They ice skate in it. So that's exciting. I mean, it, it, it's cute. You know what I mean? Like, anyway, please continue before I, I apologize for interrupting. No, you're not interrupting this conversation. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's it's really exciting um, to see his career take off in the way that it has um, and to be seen as such a, a symbol for hot Asian dudes. There are many. Um, and he also, uh, I don't remember what I was going to say, but in general, like ever since Crazy Rich Asians, there have been a good amount of production for Asian centered projects. Um, there's the farewell, always be my maybe. And now I believe that there's going to be more. And so to answer your question after however long that was, <laughs> yes, I do believe that things are picking up. I do believe it is more than a trend. I think the Asian community in general, whether it's in the industry or not, has realized how important it is to come together to lift each other because we all have that within ourselves. Um, and even COVID, I think, has taught many of us that, that it's not just about me. It's not just about myself. It is about the community that I'm a part of and how I can just be a piece in the puzzle. Right. To make a better picture <laughs> <laughs> once again uh, absolutely beautiful so we're here obviously to talk about spirited away now krista do you want to lend the the viewers in for i don't know like maybe a brief summary for anybody that hasn't seen this movie what it's all about I'd love to um, because Spirited Away is and has been one of my favorite movies of all time over the years. Like there's certain movies that define different times of my life. And ever since Spirited Away came out, I've watched it probably once a year. And every time I do, I feel so deeply. It never gets old. It never gets stale they're always surprises. And just for um, the listeners, the movie is a Hayao Miyazaki Studio Ghibli movie about a young girl who enters the spirit world with, and feel free to like chime in if you wanted to add in too, um, with a scared, very vulnerable, fearful um, approach to life. Um, and 
slowly over time, she learns the power within herself. And kind of like what we've been talking about all this whole podcast, just finding the light within yourself and how you can help another person, how you can lift another person, how you can just make the world a better place. And what's really special to me about Spirited Away is how the character Chihiro, also called Zen, is so vulnerable. She wears her feelings on her sleeve. She's so raw. She doesn't hold anything back. Anything she feels, she just says. And um, when I watch her feel all of her feelings, it makes it okay for me to feel anything that I'm feeling too. Um, because I think often in humanity, we we don't necessarily are able, we're not necessarily able to express ourselves for whatever reason, whether it's fear of being rejected, whether it's fear of offending, whether it's because you don't feel like anyone will listen. Um, but the way that she so unapologetically just feels out loud and vocally is really touching and inspiring and always is a great reminder to me to just love fully. Yeah, that I, I definitely don't have anything to add that that was beautiful. Spirited Away, it was released in 2001. It would then later go on to win. Is it best animated or best foreign? It won an Oscar uh, for I think it was uh, be- yeah, it was best animated film. And it was the the first and last anime to to use that term uh anime film to to win the best picture it's also great because miyazaki he wrote it directed it, drew it it's all like hand drawn obviously you've got some computer technology but i mean this is a it's an animated film in in that classic sense which which is great and so refreshing and i remember when i saw it shortly after after the oscars in 2002 and I, I was just blown away. One, I thought the story, everything that Krista mentioned a few moments ago, she was absolutely right. But I was blown away with just the, the look at it, at just the overall look of it. And there are so many things going on in this movie that you have to watch this movie several times because it is, it's, it really is a work of art. And it's not necessarily one of the the best animated films of all time. It is the best animated film. And I I don't, I'm not saying that like as an exaggeration, this isn't hyperbole. If you haven't seen Spirit Away, it's, it really is a revelation. And my wife is now going through this movie for the first time. She had never seen it. And she was like, oh my Lord. We, again, uh, all the listeners know I've got a two and a half year old daughter and she after when she wakes up from her nap, we'll turn on a movie or something. And the past few days I've had spirited away on the background. And she says nothing when this movie is on, she's completely just blown away and mystified by everything that she's seeing on camera. And it's really cool. Obviously she has no idea what's happening, but all the different colors and all, um, you know, the dragons and everything that's going on in this movie is, it's really fun to watch watch her experience this movie that that I love and that has had me since the first time I saw it 20 years ago. But the question I have for you is, do you have, because whenever I watch a movie or I watch a show, 
I, it's kind of an emotional experience for me. And I usually can remember the first time I see something because uh, I, ha- I I do, I have like an emotional reaction to what I'm watching on camera. And I'm always curious to know if other people have those same type of reactions. And I'm always fascinated to wonder, like, do you remember the first time you saw this? Or do you remember something that stuck with you the first time that you saw this movie? Or is it just something that has just lingered with you? You know, I don't know because I was trying to remember who introduced this movie to me because it really is so magical and it's so layered in many ways and has really impacted my life. So I wanted to like go back and be like, thank you to whoever you were who brought that movie into my life. Because if there was one takeaway, this movie has taught me, well, I guess I said earlier, but it really is about being brave. Mm -hmm. Um, She takes all of her fears and confronts them in a way that is different than other animated films. Like a lot of Disney films, um, a lot of anime in general, I think is about, you know, superpowers. And this girl does not have any superpowers and she finds strength within herself to overcome her challenges. And the cool thing about it is she's terrified the entire time Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. she's fine with it. She's like, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, but still does it anyway. It's not about like putting on a front to to be brave. She's just brave and strong within her vulnerability. Um, and still manages to take on the biggest challenges that nobody else in the film does. They're all too too scared. And there are a lot of parallels, I think, in the film, too. I was going to ask you about that, actually. Um, I don't know how closely you watched this last time, but I, I actually just watched it and cried again. I cry, I cry every time he... Haku brings her food um, because she's just holding so much in and she's trying to be strong and the tears just come while she's eating and it makes me cry every time. But I was wondering what you thought No Face represented. He is the spirit who is really lonely and greedy, also apparently not supposed to be there and um, ends up bribing everybody with gold that they don't know is real. Am I, am I giving spoilers? No, you're, you're totally allowed to give spoilers. That's fine. But I mean, I don't think you're really giving anything necessarily away. But I guess his need for, for love um, is only received if he gives away gold. Mm-hmm. And it turns him into this monster and he ends up like eating people. And I was wondering if you thought that that was a message. So there are a lot of things about this movie. And I really, really, because I, I, I have it on HBO Max. What I really want is to get like the Blu-ray and see if there is any, any other like commentary. Because there are a lot of things that... There, I mean, there, there are a lot of different like mythology and folklore that is pulled from, um, you know, Japan and other, imagine other Asian countries that Miyazaki uses in, in these films. So there are elements that, that I, I didn't quite understand, or there, there are questions that I have that I'm like, huh, I don't, I don't, I, I feel that something is lost in translation, which is another thing. Like I've, I've seen this movie in 
in both Japanese and American and, or in American, in English. And <laughs> the, the dialogue is a little bit different in English. There's like additional like dialogue in the movie where they, it almost seems like they try to spell out things to a lot of like Western audiences. But to answer your original question, I'm not entirely sure, but that is something that, that I have thought about. And another reason why like, I want to get this movie like on Blu-ray, just to see if there's any type of commentary or if there are any really good books out there that kind of explain like uh, Japanese folklore, because there, there's definitely, as you said, very perfectly uh, earlier, the movie is very layered and there are a lot of things going on that, yeah, I, I wish, I wish I had the answer to your question. I've been kind of uh, rumbling along, but I don't know. I really don't. Yeah. It's made me think a lot because they have two really big guests come into the bathhouse and, um, Oh, I guess that's what we should have said in terms of like the summary. It's about a bathhouse <laughs> that all the spirits go to. Um, but they have two really big unexpected guests. One of them is no face. He comes second. But the first one is a spirit and he's like covered in sludge. And he turns, they're trying to turn him away, turn him away. No, no, no. But then they decide to let him in because he's coming anyway. And um, there's like a giant bicycle stuck in his side mm -hmm. and when they pull out the bicycle all of this garbage just like flows out of him and he um the sludge goes away and there's this big breath it goes and that's how i feel when i visually see that it is so impactful mm -hmm. and um it makes me think of garbage it makes me think of toxicity in our lives and um i mean it even makes me think about like when you know you don't eat great things and you you need to just kind of like go to the bathroom and get that <laughs> out it was, mm -hmm. it's just like uh, and i wonder what if there was some kind of message there as well without a doubt i just don't know what it is now uh, because I had mentioned that yeah I've, I've seen it in English and uh, Japanese when you watch it do you watch the the American version that's subtitled or do you watch uh, like the Japanese with I watch the English speakers and I've looked them up before it's the guy from um is it Full House oh you're talking oh shoot uh this is really funny that is uh Boy Meets World he was on Boy Meets World right it, I'm, I'm something something Marston it, and he was also the voice of Thackeray Binks on Hocus Pocus he wasn't the live version of Thackeray Binks on Hocus Pocus, but he was the, the voice of him, I guess, as the cat. But I think there, I think there was something else that he did, but I want to say it was Boy Meets World. He was like the, the older brother's friend. The friend, you're so right. And I love Boy Meets World. <laughs> His name is Jane Marsden. Yeah. And Boy Meets World is one of my favorite shows from my childhood. Mm -hmm. I, for the longest time, wanted to be proposed the way Topanga and um, Ben Savage, Corey. How did, did he do it? it? At, he did it at Epcot. 
I think, I think, wait, maybe it wasn't proposed, but like she broke up with him and he ran all over Epcot just to like tell her he wanted her back and wanted to love her forever. And they were in the aquarium restaurant and he was like scuba diving and it was like, Topanga, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just such a fun show. I I try to watch multi-cameras a lot because I'm on one to just inspire me. And that's one that I want to go back to. Now I know, uh, I know what that means, but if you could, if you could enlighten uh, the listeners, what, what multi-camera versus like a single camera, what that, what that actually, what that means. Sure. Um, multi-camera, the multi-camera setting is very different than a single camera setting. And, um, it's only in television, um, from what I know. And, basically it it was really popular in the 90s so like seinfeld um everybody loves raymond home um, improvement home improvement they're all multi-camera full house they're all multi-camera shows which means that they're it's in a proscenium setting it's like a giant dollhouse on a sound stage there's no ceiling there's just all these lights and the lights light the stage versus on single camera you're lighting the person um and it has like a theater setting because there's a live audience and there's four cameras a b c x and it used to be called one two three x Uh, i'm not sure what the fourth one is and um i mean it's it started with like i love lucy when it would be actually like live streamed and someone would be editing while it's streaming across the nation like live so if you to go back to the whole mark thing if you were not standing on your mark and the camera is ready for you you would be on national tv missing your mark like nobody will see you and so it's pretty magical in that way that it does bring in the live theater setting um a lot of people um have outgrown like the laugh track a lot of people don't enjoy the laugh track, but all multi-cameras have a laugh track um, because we have a live audience. So it's not mm-hmm. really a laugh track. It's a live audience laughing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, so, I mean, even right now, we don't have a live audience, but we have laugh people. We have like hired, a hired audience. So the laughter still is real. Now, I want to be a hired laugher. That would be great. Just laugh, yeah. Right, just happy all the time. Right mm-hmm. now, I think it's it's less fun though because they're up in the booths completely distanced from each other all in their Mm. own little pods so it definitely changes the setting (laughs) (laughs) it makes it it makes it harder to do comedy but as soon as they say action that's what's so magical about it is Mm -hmm. that you know tim does his thing he is hilarious he ad-libs he's great Hector is also a veteran and um, they've all been on the show for nine years. So they know what they're doing. They know their timing and they're so good at what they do. And we kind of just feed off of each other's energy and the rest of the world melts away. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's such a blessing to be able to be another person. I want to, let's see if I've got any. Was that clear about multi-camera? No, it, it was 100% clear. I guess like one thing that I do always say about multi-camera is all the cameras are working at the same time. So you get mm. all the different angles at once. Whereas on single camera, if it were like you and me at a restaurant sitting at a table across from each other, we would film all of your parts first. And then like 
three hours later. So we do like a, a close up, a medium shot, and then a far away shot. And then three hours later, we turn it around and then do all of my parts. And then three hours later, we come at it from the side and do both of us. And so it takes a lot longer and it's um, a lot more intimate, whereas multi-camera tends to be, I think it's all comedy, actually. Admittedly, when I had done work, like uh, when I was in, like when I was going to CMU with you, we had like a, like an end of the year kind of like little TV production type thing where we went to um, the studio where Mr. Rogers was filmed. I don't know if you remember uh, taking part when we used to do that, but I do. For, for the writers and us, you know, we, they, they put us on the, the cameras and, you know, we would have the three camera set up, like doing like the little two minute, three minute, five minute sketches, whatever those were, but just kind of took me back to that. So I, I don't think they do it anymore, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. I did um, one called Ikea by Peter J. Roth. <laughs> I don't know if I remember that one. Um, we were lost in an Ikea. Yes, yes, yes. I do remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun. I actually cut my hand on the bamboo stick and they oh, had man. to like file a whole medical report. Um, yeah. What you do for art. Yeah. Yeah. That it, it was a fun experience. I, I enjoyed doing that. I hated the ones that, that I wrote, but like, I'll never forget. I, I wrote one and it, it got, it got flagged for being a little bit too controversial. So what? Which yeah. one? So it never, it didn't get made. So oh. I, had to, I had to do a different one, but I wrote a, I always treated mine more like kind of like SNL sketches. So I tried to do like a little like sketch type comedy. And mm-hmm. the one I did, it was called the cock block blocker. And <laughs> it was essentially, it was a service where you could hire somebody to cock block your, your cock blocker. Basically if you're on a blind date and somebody gets in there and like inner, like tries to interrupt your date, you would have a guy that would come block out the cock blocker, but we couldn't do it because we kept on saying cock block and the, and they're like, you can't, you can't do that. We, we, you, you yeah, that, that's just what the, uh, the people, cause after we wrote it, it would get, it would go kind of like up the chain and that one got bounced down because of the fact that it kept on saying cock block. I'm like, well, what if I, they're like, well, why don't you just take out the term cock block? I'm like, well, that, that's kind of, that's kind of a joke. They're like, yeah, we can't do it. So I went back to the drawing board and removed that. But the irony is what I ended up getting approved was technically far more offensive. And I really don't write offensive or controversial type comedy, but I I felt like I had to because I got censored on a, just a kind of like a little cheap, immature, like sketch, but so I couldn't do the cock block blocker, but I ended up doing still a blind date, but this one ended up becoming about, about the, uh, the sexual term pegging. And we don't have to get into pegging at all. The listeners can look that up, but I ended up writing a sketch comedy about, uh, about pegging and they had no problem with that. Probably because I guess they didn't really research what pegging was all about. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who, who are your actors? Um, Let's see, for pegging, it was, oh, 
shoot. Let's see who else was. I I see. Oh man, uh, the actor was blonde. Darren. Darren. There's two blondes. It's either Darren Bluestone or Kyle Rotter. <laughs> Kyle Rotter. Yep, it was Kyle. But who was the actress? Was it? Oh man, I I can't I can't remember. I'll have to <laughs> l- literally l- go back and find out who graduated with us. I'll have to send you a picture from uh, from what you did. No, from uh, our class, and then you can circle. Oh yeah, them. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You you say like send a picture. This and we'll we'll get back. We're kind of like uh, going all over the place, but I remember at graduation. You like we were every we were all kind of like congregating back in the building and I was with my my girlfriend, my now, you know, wife and everything, and ran into you and I briefly introduced you to each other and you said, Hey, do you you want a picture? I'm like, Yeah. And you took a picture of my then, you know, girlfriend. And, you know, thank you, blah, 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 walked on her way. And then I was like, shit, I should have taken a picture with her. Like, I have plenty of pictures with my girlfriend. Why well, should have taken a picture with Krista? Because I don't have any pictures of Krista. And I'm like, that, that's, that's kind of funny. But I always think about that. I'm like, oh, yeah, um, saw the picture of Krista taking a picture of me. I love, I still do. I love taking pictures of couples. Yeah. I just love, love. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, listen, I, I know I've, you know, um, taken some of your time, so I won't keep you. I think we've covered the basic premise of what spirited away is, but for the listeners, one of the things I also like to do is let them know what other people think of the film. So Spirited Away, if you were to hop onto Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 97% critic consensus on the uh, tomato meter. So 97% of critics loved it. It has an audience score of 96%, which is crazy. Generally speaking, people that like audiences that love the movies usually give it around like 80%. And that's really high. But audiences who are very finicky, 96% 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's well over 300,000 audience uh, score reviews on that. It is to date the highest grossing film in the history of Japan, which is really cool. It has grossed worldwide over 300 and some odd million dollars in the box office. Here in the States, it grossed, what was it? Um, Shoot, I don't have that figure, but I think it grossed around like $20 million, $20 million in America, but worldwide, again, well over $300 million on it. Wow. And as I said, it was the first anime film to win Best Animated Picture before and since, and I think it was the last hand-drawn animated picture to uh, to win Best Picture. So a lot, a lot of uh, stuff to really, really take away from this movie. It is beautiful. It is enchanting. It is dazzling. Every other choice adjective you want to use. It's it's such a great fairy tale. And there's there's just so much to uh, take out of it. But it definitely does require for multiple viewings. I mean, you're not you're not going to get everything that first view. But it also makes for great rewatching. It is a very, very rewatchable uh, movie. And I can't, I can't, I can't sing its praises any more than I already have. I mean, it, it's perfect. It's a perfect film, but Krista, I will allow you the opportunity. If you have any closing thoughts on the movie. 
Um, I would just say for anyone listening, if you haven't seen it, it is a film that I don't think you will regret seeing if you do. Um, it speaks to the heart. And I think we all in this time right now could use a reminder um, that love and determination and passion to protect the people that you care about matter most. Thank you. Thank you. Um, You've been such a great guest and you're an even better friend. And I'm very, very thankful that you allowed us some time to chat with you this evening. Now, before we go, what's next for you? Like, obviously you're, you're wrapping up on your, your, your shooting for last man standing. Do you have any, anything on the horizon that, that you want to, or can uh, chat about today? So, um, I'm currently filming, so I'm not auditioning. Um, hopefully soon for anybody who is looking to hire a young Asian actress. Uh, that's me. I, am, I will be available soon. Um, I was supposed to be doing my very first lead in a film, but unfortunately it came back at the same time um, from COVID as Last Man Standing. Mm. So I'm not able to do that. But now I'm a blonde and they ended up keeping it for Last Man Standing. So. <laughs> oh, so you get to rock the blonde on like on the show and everything. Do, do they incorporate mm-hmm. that into the, into any of the episodes um, at all? We haven't done that episode yet. Uh, we haven't done my move-in episode yet. So I'm not positive, um, but they did tone it down a little bit. It's not mm-hmm. as like, highlighter blonde and now it's more like yeah i can't say natural blonde because i'm definitely not a natural blonde but <laughs> it's like it's like right now it's kind of like my 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 shade of blonde but you know you can't really tell yes. with, with my horrible lighting and everything but <laughs> blonde for spirited away yay <laughs> <laughs> i i love this this has been great i've been really really looking forward to it um I, I still have a good like 40 to 50 questions I would love to ask you, but we'll save it for another time. <laughs> but again, Krista, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so, I've said this to you in, in, in messages before, but I'm, I'm just so damn proud of you. I, you're, you're such a great person and to see the success that you've had, it, it, it's great. And I, I love that I've had you on here, but I also love that I get to share you with other people and maybe some people that haven't had the opportunity to see your work, maybe get, you know, exposed to you. And, you know, my hope is that they become, you know, uh, fans of yours because you, you're, you're, you're great. And you've, since, you know, we met uh, all these years ago, it's just been, it's been fun to watch you. And obviously everybody else that, that we went to school with, I, you know, I'm, I'm very happy for them, but you're just a great, natural, like sincere person. And I'm just very, very proud of you and happy to have you as a friend. So thank you for, for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm lucky to have you as a friend as well. It's been great to be able to be in touch for so long, even though it's been a while since we've actually seen each other in person. Um, I think that says a lot about friendship and um, I look forward to more. All right, (laughs) listeners, thank you very much. We will see you next week and uh, stay safe, everybody. Stay safe.